Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the her in peripherals. Peripheral. Peripheral. Peripherals? Peripherals. I got I got dragged over the coals for my pronunciation of foliage. 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 I'm from Arizona. We don't have that stuff here. So Me too. <laughs> I'm here with my beautiful co-host Joy and Joy I want you to know that if we were in a horror movie and I saw a clear escape route but it meant leave you, leaving you behind in an abandoned warehouse with an axe murderer I wouldn't ditch you well thank you but yeah. I would suggest that you go because you have kids and they need you so I would more, than likely, I would more than likely be like Always serving. get out of here go. I'll try and take this guy um, or girl. I don't want to be <laughs> sexist. Thank you. Men and women can both murder people. They can. They do. Um, but you are right. Uh, I am Joy Temby, and uh, I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Summer White. And Summer, you have one of the most finely tuned eye rolls that I have ever seen. <clears throat> my dad would agree. He saw me <laughs> perfected over a teenagehood. Right. My teenagerhood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I bet your dad's seen it way more than I have even. I bet I got it from him. Let's Probably be doesn't have the same appreciation. <laughs> right. Right. But yes. Yeah. That's uh thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I do regularly whenever I use the eye roll emoji, uh-huh. um, critique it. Like I'll use it and I'll click on it, but I'm like, this doesn't, this emoji doesn't accurately describe the eye roll. It's I want not it as to. good. Is your it's eye roll not? Mm-mm. So what you're saying is you're you should do an eye roll and someone should just make it into an emoji. Yes. I mean, are you down with that? I think that sounds good. Okay. <clears throat> right. The summer white. The summer, well, uh, Jerry says that my my emoji is the blonde with the hand thing. Oh yeah, no, like, that's also pretty good. The outside. What is that called? like the Egyptian actually well <laughs> it's the well okay really <laughs> okay right <laughs> it's almost as dismissive as the thumbs up emoji right 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 and it really requires no words you could say really <laughs> but right. also you could just do this which I know none of you none can of you see, can see but I did it it's pretty good though yeah I passed on that ability to my children I don't know if that's what I wanted to pass on but anyway <laughs> Well, it's a multi generational thing. <laughs> it is. Came from James White. Yes. Passed on to you. Yes. And now you're that it's like the white inheritance. Yes. You know what one of my pet peeves is? This is my show, so I'll take a second to talk about it. Here's one of my pet peeves that no one knows about. One of my pet peeves is when I post a picture of my children on the Facebooks and someone's like, Oh my goodness, I cannot believe how much she looks like your dad. Oh. <laughs> I'm like I've never thought that she, either of them looked like she looks like me. Right. She they she looks like me. Both right. of them look like me. But okay, if you're saying my dad resembles a little girl, 
I don't know what's wrong with you. I mean, but... Janie's kind of baldish. Is that what they mean? <laughs> a little bit, right? But she has hair. <laughs> like, and she's getting more and more all it's the time. Like, it happens all the time. And someone who said that is listening right now. And I just want you to know I love you. But like, no. Just, just no, just hmm. stop. Anyway, it happens. I've talked to, um, I've talked to Vodi's daughter about it. It happens to her too. Oh, okay. your son looks so much like your dad. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> they don't. These babies look like us. Anyway, uh, speaking of dads, we have a dad here with us today. <laughs> speaking of right dad. segue. <laughs> There's one right there. I see, I see him. <laughs> and his kids actually do look like him. You think? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who do you think looks most like me? Imogen. Um, Imogen. Imogen. Yes. Imogen. Imogen. Without yeah. a doubt. Imogen, I would say the next would be Turtle. Yeah. Turtle? But it's it's a little, the blonde hair, mm-hmm. Turtle's blonde hair mm-hmm. is a little off-putting. But like off. if you mm-hmm. just look at the face, mm-hmm. like you guys have really similar eyes. Where do you eyes. get that hair? That's weird. I don't know where that comes I from. I know. Right. I don't know. I don't, I don't, it's great hair. What are you though. trying to say? Yeah. I don't know. I don't He's growing it out right now, too. <laughs> yeah, he is. He, he told me. To look like a surfer. He told me that uh, he wanted you to grow your hair out. He did. He said, you need to grow yours out with me. I was like, nah, I think I'm past that stage. Right. I hope um, so. Did we yeah. even say who are the dad is that we're talking no, to? you know what? We shouldn't. I'm annoyed because people are like, oh, who's your pastor? And I'm like, what? How do I... Right. I'm missing something right now. Okay, I'm going to ask our listeners a question right now. Uh-huh. Who is the guest on our show today? <laughs> now, I want you to answer in your car or your home or whoever. In your laundry room. Right. Um, Just answer right now. Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> Who's that? I don't know. It's just, okay. It's a famous, it's a famous uh, video on them internets. <laughs> All right, so if you guys don't yeah, know. So if you don't know him, I don't know what to tell you, but. Yeah, he's our pastor. Um, his name is Jeff Durbin. So mm-hmm. if you haven't heard of him, I don't know where you've been or how you found us. Right. Maybe. I don't, I don't even know. And I guess know. if you don't know who he is, you should know that he's on Apologia Radio. He's the right. pastor of Apologia Church. He's our pastor. Yep. I do a podcast with him. Yes. And a TV show with him. Which is probably why people have asked me, like, well, why haven't you had, had Jeff Durbin on your show yet? And I'm like, well... Joy does a show with him every week. Like, right. sick of me. I think that, she's sick of me. <laughs> I think that's why I didn't think of it because, right. like, it. you already are doing a show <laughs> with Jeff every week. So every week. that's just part of it. For but the last five years, right? Right. Yep. So I didn't. Um, this was, this whole idea was Joy's idea, actually. Though the mm-hmm. funny thing is, she was like, "We're gonna have Jeff on, and I know what we're gonna talk to him about." Right, and it's not. It's not what theonomy, post millennialism, nope. reform theology, abortion, Mormonism, no nope. nope. outreach nope. to the cults. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't even know anything else. So. <laughs> I had people trying to guess, like, "Oh, oh, so you're gonna talk to him about abortion? You're gonna talk to him about this?" And I was like, "Nope, that's not what we do. Mm-mm. We're gonna do the opposite of what you think we're gonna do because we're just contrarian because we're women." Yeah. Because we're sheologians. Right, right, right. So I'll let you introduce what we're going to talk to Pastor Jeff Derbs about today. Okay, so um, not too, too long ago, Jeff and I discovered that we have a mutual interest in a certain topic. Yes. Mm -hmm. And... um, Very excited about this. I don't know if I can explain the nuance of this, and some people are going to take this wrong. Wonderful. The occult... We uh-huh. both have an interest in the occult. Yes. That's what We're I mean. Like people very are gonna, interested. People are going to be like, "What?" <laughs> um, 
but really we have an interest in a bunch of different things mediums uh fortune tellers mm -hmm. uh psychics. demons psychics yeah. that kind mm -hmm. of stuff mm -hmm. um and the reason i have an interest in it um is because sometimes i think there is like a supernatural element and then sometimes i think like an even in for if you use mediums as an example mm -hmm. um they just they have like a system of reading people yep right um so sometimes it's not necessarily supernatural i mean it's totally evil to to convince people that you know things and take their money <laughs> but right, um it doesn't lying. mean that they're demon possessed right um but so there's like some with some of this like occult demonic stuff there is a little bit mm -hmm. we just can't know everything about it basically right, right um but we're gonna try to know as much as we can talking with jeff today oh. and we're gonna have him answer a few questions um which actually well, we should talk about like why we were interested in it like together and we're like oh that's awesome you do that right. too is I like to watch uh, videos on YouTube of psychics and mediums being exposed right. and refuted me too I really enjoy mm -hmm. it like just do that like spend some time go on YouTube and search medium exposed psychic exposed right. and I love it when they're on like news broadcasts trying to right. trying to execute their craft and they get refuted or people are like no that's not me no I don't know anybody <laughs> right. like that well and you can really it, watching those kinds of things really shows you um, that a lot of them do just have a system of reading people they have a list of things they go through they ask very general broad questions they read people's body language there's a seven there's this well here's one thing seven steps to cold reading use shotgun statements right. um be quite vague, but general, so you get a hit from the audience. Who Use, in here has a grandmother? Right, right. And everyone's anybody, like, me? Anybody ever experienced the death of a loved one? You, sir. And did your loved one begin with the letter M-K-O-S-T? Uh, oh, if, yes, R. That's right. right. Rachel, Rhonda, it's, I'm feeling it like... Right. Use Barnum statements, the recap, the ruse, pick the right subject, use negatively, negatively loaded statements, change your meaning, play the blame game. And so they have... They're con it's, artists. It's a technique. You're a right. con artist. But right. I'm with Joy, though. I would say that uh, there's no way to do it statistically, but I'd say the, uh, I think the vast majority are in it. It's a money game. Right. There's charlatans. There's snake oil salesmen. And the other, the other ones that are there are legitimately communicating with demonic spirits. Right. So, so that being said, my first question to you is, um, are demons a thing? <laughs> do they do they do stuff here on this planet still? Yes. Well, what's interesting is is that Christians tend to go. Uh, we always go on wild ends of the spectrum. So we either get heavily weighted on the one side of becoming obsessive about something, mm -hmm. seeing the devil behind every rock, uh, blaming everything on Satan. Really, in many ways, sometimes people are taking no personal responsibility, saying, "So you know, the devil made me do it. The devil led me into this." Um, it overemphasizing, and the other side of the spectrum, Christians fall on. Uh, not taking things seriously enough, right. uh, being blind uh, to obvious spiritual ele elements in something, dark spiritual elements. Uh, but absolutely, if we look at the Word of God as a central reference point as to what's actually true, the Bible does teach about a, uh, a, a of spiritual creatures that um, the Bible would refer to as demons. Uh, Satan himself um, is a fallen angel. So we're talking about fallen spiritual creatures, and they... Um, have limitations on their power. So there are only particular things that they as creatures are able to do. Uh, they're not um, 
they're not the kind of creatures that can manipulate God's plans. They're not the kind of creatures that can have uh, ultimate power over Christians. Uh, Jesus defeated Satan at the cross, delivered the death blow, and so Satan essentially has lost the war. So all of history is essentially a, a mop-up process of t- taking down little skirmishes happening here or there. But Satan himself isn't uh, omnipresent, so we can't say when we're dealing with a spiritual attack, this is the devil. Right. You don't know. And the devil isn't... a. Um, He's not, a, he's not a, an adequate rival for Jesus. So we don't have, like, uh, the boxing bill where you have, like, Friday night, 8 p.m., and it's Jesus right. versus Satan, like as though he's some sort of a... Um, <clears throat> he's some sort of an enemy that Jesus has having a really tough time with. But there are spiritual elements the Bible teaches that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against spiritual, spiritual forces of wickedness. And so demons, yes, are a thing. And they're active. Um, But I I want to highlight, just say quickly, that um, the Bible does clearly teach. um, I mean, you you can go to a number of verses for this, but I think it should be clear enough to say to the believer that if the Spirit of God indwells a person, a believer who truly knows Jesus cannot be possessed by Satan or a demon. Um, Walter Martin said this, I think, the best way. He said, God is the owner of your building. He's the occupant, and he's not looking for any more tenants. So um, we are indwelled by the Spirit of God. You can't be indwelt by a demon. However, you can be ultimately oppressed by demonic activity. That much is clear from Paul's writings about what we wrestle with. So it's possible to be doing spiritual battle with demons, but in terms of being actually possessed by a demon and controlled, it's not a possibility biblically. Right. Uh, So what does that look like? What are some ways that people, what are some things that people do that get them into contact with demons and then also what does we'll answer that and I'll ask you my next sure. question. So um, again looking at the Bible and not looking at experience or uh, a number of different claims from people who say that they've had experiences with the demonic if we look at the scriptures um, and by the way just I'll throw this out there if you're really interested interested in, interested in this subject I say first and foremost be careful because um, there's an old saying that says whoever wants to sup with Satan better better bring a long spoon You have to be cautious when you enter into this realm because you are dealing with very, very dark, evil things. But if you do want to study it, uh, you should do a study uh, on angelology, study of angels. You'd be be really surprised as to how much the Bible talks about angels, uh, the specificity about um, them as creatures, what their roles are, uh, what are the particular identifiers of a person who actually is demonically possessed. You can see that. Uh, for just as an example, you look in the New Testament record and you have the account of the demoniac. Um, this person could not be controlled. They had uncontrollable rage. They were uh, among the tombs. So there's an obsession with, with death and darkness. Uh, you know, just you look at identifiers and you can see uh, some of those. But if you look at the Bible, what God warns his people against in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 9, he says, when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. Some translations say detestable. Uh, abominable in the Bible, in the Hebrew, toevah. God doesn't use it for everything. It's actually a very, very uh, strong specific. word and specific. And God doesn't just kick it about. Like he's not calling everything, that's an abomination. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's pretty specific. And when God uses it, you should pay attention. Uh, there shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering. 
Anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. So first point there, when he lists these practices, he says not just that the practice is an abomination. He says whoever does these things mm. is toeva, is an abomination to God. Mm -hmm. So how serious is God about um, meddling with these things, messing with them? He says they're an abomination and you're an abomination if you do it. And he, this is this is this is in particular of particular importance. He says, um, and because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. So he says, whoever does them is an abomination, and he's reminding them that he is driving out these nations around Israel because they do these things. And in Scripture, there are other examples of God's own people engaging in divination, and God dispossesses them for it. And so, what are some things? Divination, sorcery, mediums, um, the Bible would refer to astrology um, in, in kind of that category, psychic mediums, those sorts of things. But just as a, as a brief explanation, like what does any of that even mean? Uh, divination is a word that's uh, it's used to describe um, uncovering hidden information through supernatural means. And so divination can be uh, myriad. You can have uh, divination that could be pendulums, uh, looking for a this or that answer or a yes or no answer. People use uh, divinatory methods like putting sticks on water even and, and waiting for the stick to move either left or right. It's directional. Um, Joseph Smith used divination, um, the founder of Mormonism. He was somebody who was actually arrested in Bainbridge, New York in 1826 uh, for crystal ball gazing. There's your Mormonism shout out. See, I couldn't stay right. away from it. <laughs> I knew. Um, I knew it. Yep. <laughs> Uh, you have div divinatory practices today, um, and we, we, this is where it came up in church, is we learned that a lot of people uh, at Apologia Church were, take, were getting chiropractic care, uh, and we thought nothing of it until we discovered that the technique being used in this, this particular form of chiropractic care was something called KST, or Corin-specific technique. It's a rather new uh, technique in terms of the chiropractic world, but the techniques are ancient, uh, it's, it's divination. Uh, they, they use what's called the occiput drop, using the left and right hand to guide as the, as the, as the tool of divination, yes or no responses from the body. Um, so you have divination is one thing. Sorcery is essentially, um, it's, it's used to describe practices that utilize divination or attempt to receive information or communicate from the spiritual realm. Um, a medium attempts to create a connection between the physical realm and the spiritual by means of communication, verbal or mental. And so you can see that just in that broad, general uh, divination, sorcery, medium, those sorts of things, it encompasses a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, so your average psychic down the street, if you walk into them and talk to them, um, and they talk about communicating with loved ones, if they try to read your hands, if they try to do a tarot card reading, anything like that, it's usually a combination of divination, sorcery, um, work as a medium. And so there, there's not like any one thing. There's a number of things. And I think just quickly, the last thing I'll say on this in terms of divination, everybody's familiar with one, one popular form of divination, the Ouija board. Right. Mm -hmm. That's sold in 
It's sold in fine stores across the nation. Right, right. It's, it's sold in Toys R Us. Yeah, <laughs> right. Hasbro, right? Yeah. Hasbro create has has their own Ouija board, and that is an example of divination. And just think about what you're trying to do. You're trying to uncover unknown information or hidden information through this supernatural means, and you're trying to either communicate with energy or spirits. And on the board, there's a yes or no binary response, so you can ask a question and get a yes or no. But there's also letters on the board, and the um, the tool of divination is that arrow that essentially points, right? And so that is people will suggest it's being used by energy is doing that. Others will suggest that it is um, a, a loved one. Others will suggest that it's angelic beings, which they're right about. Um, and some <laughs> people will say it's demonic, um, and, and just admit that. But that's that's an example of like modern divination. Well, so since you brought it up, um, let's just be very clear here. Are ghosts real? Are, do your family members stick around after they die? Can you no. talk to, to you? the dead? No. If someone says, hey, I have your grandfather who passed away five years ago right. on the line, are they telling the truth at all? No. As a matter of fact, um, the specific text in the law of God Deuteronomy chapter 18, God says that there's not to be found anyone among them who, and it says, um, inquires of the dead. So inquiring of the dead is forbidden for Christians. And here's why. Because what you think you're doing is not what you're doing. What, who you think you're communicating with is not who you're communicating with. And the answer you get is not the answer from God. Um, he says that over and over and over in Scripture. He talks about his people going to people um, to, to get information, uh, you can read Isaiah 47, 13. You can look um, at, uh, let's see here, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. What, when they say to you, consult the mediums and the spirits who whisper and mutter, should not a people consult, consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? Um, and so you have a number. This is, with divination and sorcery in the scripture, you would be surprised as to how much the Bible talks about this. But I'll just say quickly, the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. There's no coming back. Right. Another example is Jesus' story of the rich man and Lazarus. He's, I don't, he's giving a story of a rich man and Lazarus. And the picture that Jesus paints for us is it's, immediate, um, it's an immediate exit from this world with no entrance back. And he's actually told that, that there's a gulf fixed between you and them. And so you cannot cross. There's no going back and forth to communicate. Because he says, please send someone to tell my family. And he says, well, they have, they have Moses and the prophets. If they won't listen to, to them, then they're not going to listen if somebody comes back from the dead. Nobody's coming back from the dead to communicate with, with people. Right. So <clears throat> They're not coming to your house to move things around or right. <laughs> make sure that, that you know that it wasn't your fault and right. all that stuff. Right. That's just not happening. Right. And Christians don't believe at all that that's what happens right. after you die. Well, some do. That's right. the disturbing Well, they thing. shouldn't. I think, and it's, <clears throat> you know, when you read that verse in Isaiah 47, it's like, it's saying, don't consult with the dead. It's not saying that because you can't, it is possible to consult with the dead. Right. It's saying, this is what the pagan nations are doing around you. Don't do yes. that. That's but right. you're not actually consulting with someone who's passed on. Right. If you get some, if you get a response, we would say it's psychological or maybe you are consulting right. with demons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. First thing uh, I would go to is, is it psychological? Right. First. Why and is then, that? Right. Just because we human beings are notoriously unreliable. 
mm-hmm. and we're notoriously untrustworthy. Right. Um, and we especially in this, we've had a so. lot of uh, people have been shaped by uh, their culture, and every yeah. every culture shapes people right on how they view death what death is right and what happens after you die right and especially our culture which is such a um media culture Mm -hmm. uh we've really been we've gotten a lot of information from a lot of different media medias that help us understand big air quotes there what death is right so we think we know things but really like our perceptions being shaped by right. the wrong thing well even in christianity i've had a a believing family member say you know uh the first time you have like an evil thought and you don't know where it comes from those are that's satan like those are satan's arrows which i think is very common in some specific right. de- denominations or whatever and and you just mentioned earlier well satan's not omnipresent mm-hmm. so if you have a, a bad thought mm-hmm. um Probably the, yours. Right. The idea right. that Satan is standing behind right. you at that right. moment is just not right. biblical. It's possible to be oppressed in some way where that sort of thing can happen. But I think you should first ask the question, is this something you're just personally dealing with? Human, it's human nature. And Jesus addresses it in the Sermon on the Mount when he talks about people who pray, the hypocrites, who pray so people see them pray. And they give so people see them give, and they fast so people see them fast. He says, you have your reward. It's human nature to want to look spiritual, right? To want to look like um, you're on this heightened spiritual plane so that people see you and they applaud you for it. So that's one is human nature. Another part of human nature is we, we sometimes want to believe stupid things. Right. And we want others to follow us. And we're highly suggestible. Yeah. And, and the thing is, what's interesting is that we don't want to go down by ourselves because you always see us trying to convince others. Uh, so people just do that. They say, oh, I've had this amazing experience. You need to have it with me. And we want to be, we want to believe and we want to be believed. And so sometimes we'll actually see things that aren't really there and tell ourselves that it's true. We have experiences that we blow out of proportion. And so I would just say, always exercise caution. On the other end of that, right. though, I can say this as a pastor in, in all my years of ministry, I have talked to so many people who have thought they have had uh have they've had demonic possession those sorts of things or uh, they're oppressed in some way and and through examination and asking questions i was pretty confident no that's this is not like some spiritual right. uh attack and possession you're really dealing with um but then i have actually run into rare occasions where people did engage in these practices they tried to communicate with the other side they tried to communicate with the dead uh, some that actually knew they were talking to demons, and when they went down that road, they did it because they they were they were getting promises. Mm-hmm. Um, they were getting they were getting the hope that I have some special power, some secret knowledge that I have, and they went down that road thinking that it was benign, but it ended up destroying them. Um, right. I I have a story that I tell. It was one of the most terrifying moments of my life. It was a young uh, girl. She was an adult film star. Uh, she was also into um, gentlemen's clubs. Uh, mm. I, I don't know if there's any young children listening right now. Um, and she got to that place because she was raised in a Christian home. And her father, when she was 18 years old, left her and her mother to go be with a younger woman. And in order to get him back, like to spite him, she decided to do everything he had told her not to do growing up. Mm-hmm. And one of those things was psychic medium astrology going into this occultic stuff so she did it to spite him 
Now, by the, by the time I got her in front of me, she's like 25, 26, year old, 26 years old, and she's a wreck. You can see it on her face. She just looked overwhelmed with darkness. And we talked for a, a good while, and I got to give her the gospel a bunch. Anyway, one day we're in a room, and I'm, I'm giving her the gospel, and she's just, you can just see she's just depressed, and she has bags under her eyes. She looks a mess. And so I just give her the gospel, and she tells me these stories about how she had gone into this, and she had, she had you know, I've been woken up at night and like there's a presence like pinning her down and uh, she has no control over her body. She goes in these fits of rage. She's obsessed with dark things and like just really strange stuff. So I have no intention of, at the moment of praying for like some sort of like freeing from demonic activity because I don't know what's going on. I just gave her the gospel and I start to pray for her. And then all of a sudden, as I'm praying for her salvation, I'm telling you, it was the most incredible palpable, tangible sensation and feeling. I, all of a sudden, the room filled up with all I can describe it as hatred. Hmm. Um, you ever been in a fight with somebody and you are you can sense how much they hate you, their anger, they're looking at you and they want to kill you? Mm-hmm. It's that sense all of a sudden just was overwhelming me. And the more I prayed for her salvation, it kicked up. It was being amplified. It was to the point where it raised the hairs on my neck and I was terrified. And so I immediately started praying against this presence in the room and praying for her that God would free her. And so as I'm praying for her salvation and God would free her, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm just like, and in the name of Jesus, God, free her from any evil presence. And all of a sudden, it's like the room, just the air just went out of the room and just deflated and it went away. Here's the amazing thing. I just looked up at her. She looked up at me. I stood up. She stood up. She went back to the hospital. I went to my office and I called Luke right away. I said, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. I have no idea what that was. It was insane. Next thing you know, two weeks later, she's leaving the hospital and we're, we're meeting for the last time and she had come to Christ and she just looks alive and she looks well and she's just so happy she's in Christ and I'm like so, I'm so happy for her. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, let's pray. I said, but wait, before we do, can I ask you something kind of strange? She's like, yeah. And so um, I'm like, remember when we were in the room two weeks ago and I started praying? Do you sense anything? And she just started crying. She's like, you felt that too? I was like, was that, that what you, that you felt? What'd you feel? And she described exactly the same thing. She said, anger, mm. hatred. Like it was overwhelming. And it was, so that was one of those moments in my life where I say, I'm not always the first to believe it, but it is a possibility. And here's an example of a girl that went into these practices despite her father and she got Mm. more than she bargained for. Right. Right. So is it possible? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. So what are some of the markers that would help you hear a situation or be a part of a situation and say, no, this is psychological, or no, this could be something else. So the first things I want to ask is, has this person had any connection to any of the tools of the occult? So these tools of the occult, divination, sorcery, um, psychics, mediums, um, 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 when, when you talk about enchantments, those are, those are things like amulets you know, for special power, people that have been involved in chanting and uh, people maybe even that might be involved in a, in, in a practice called remote viewing or remote reading. 
uh, people who are involved in psychometry or psychometric readings, I'll ask, has there been any connection to any of the tools of the occult? Because that does open you up to communication with the other side. Um, and so if, if there have been instances of that, I'm more likely to ask more questions. Okay, tell me about your experience. What have you experienced? And so, you know, people that have had impact or have been impacted by um, something from the other side, I look for things like um, la the, the lack of ability to control oneself, um, uncontrollable rage and anger, um, paralysis, being paralyzed, mm -hmm. um, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. There is also sort of anecdotal part of this too. Um, I, I don't, I have to, I'm not an expert on this part, but I will say anecdotally mm -hmm. that it's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, you've heard of the witching hour. Yes. Right. Okay. I was actually going to ask you about that. Yeah. So, so this is something I've, I've noticed that's pretty common. Um, and again, I'm not looking at the Bible to get the answer for this, so I wouldn't put a lot of weight on this. But in terms of anecdotally, a lot of spiritually, spiritually dark activity takes place during what people call the witching hour. Mm -hmm. um, real late at night and people are engaged in these different occult rituals and seances. I, I've talked to people who, who were engaged in witchcraft before who said that they actually did participate in this sort of a thing. I, I've noticed that the people that I've talked to that have been involved in these practices and have been overwhelmed by them and get to a place of total fear and, and they're not, they have no more control, around the hours of the witching hour, um, that's where there seems to be this heightened demonic activity mm. where the person even wakes up and there's a presence mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're like, it's a clear presence or they're being pinned down or um, they're being, they're, they're, they've lost the ability to control themselves and their thoughts. Um, uncontrollable rage sets in, those sorts of fear strikes them, just automatic fear. Mm -hmm. So again, anecdotally, when you ask these people who have genuinely been involved in the tools of the occult and have been impacted, there seems to be some strange stuff going on. So right. I ask questions and I never give it away. I always ask, mm -hmm. tell me about your experience. And they'll tell me like, well, uh, in my bedroom and, the, and then I, this presence overwhelms me, you know, and on and on. And then I'll just ask around what time does this usually happen? And it's really interesting. You'll see. Right. Like it's pretty Well, and it's not as though we're not saying, like Jeff said, this is totally... Um, just based off of his experience. Right. Um, we're not saying that, like, God gave the devil three o'clock in the right. morning. <laughs> right. No. That didn't happen. No. It just so happens that according to a lot of pagan rituals, according to a lot of these types of, like, you know, Because they believe it's 3 a.m. And because right. they're at work at 3 a.m. Right. Because they do they're busy. Their, they're busy. Right. They're busy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's because groups have sort of, people have, said like hey 3 a.m is the time right we invite you in right, right now that's right, right. You know? yeah so there's some sort of heightened it seems as though and i want to be cautious on and saying this right. it seems as though there is some heightened spiritual activity at that time again that's anecdotal evidence it's and that doesn't mean if you wake up at 3 a.m tomorrow morning the morning after <laughs> listening to this that right. you're possessed by demons that's right. not what that means at all right right so just so be careful and you know people can be involved in divination and say, this is the problem with, with professing Christians that say, no, these practices are fine. Uh, we can engage in astrology and, and these forms of divination and all these all this, the enchantments and amulets and all these different things. Um, 
demons have great theology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They they have spent more time with God than you've been alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have great theology and they can say very, very true things about God. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always a, a nefarious like dealing with them. A good example is um, Acts 16, 16. Um, it happened as they were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us who was bringing her master's much profit by fortune telling. So she's, she's making people money with her craft of divination. So there's nothing new under the sun. Right. In the 21st century, people are, are, have a spirit of divination and they're making money off of this stuff. Right. And in the first century is the same way. But what's interesting is that she actually, if you read the text in Acts 16, go read it. You'll see that she, she says some theologically accurate things about what Paul is doing. Right. Bringing the message of salvation. And people oftentimes engage in these tools of the occult because a professing Christian who's saying very right things about God is engaged in them. Uh, and they say, well, it must be okay. Right. Uh, but it's it's total darkness. And if you read how Paul dealt with this slave girl, you'll see that he, he casts he casts it out. Right, right. Um, But, and that's, I think, the thing that if you want to do a show that's at least helpful to people, people say, oh, this is a really interesting conversation. What's helpful about it? Well, i, I just give you a, an example from, a, from our personal experience at Apologia. When we discovered that there was a particular practice of divination and remote viewing and reading going on um, at this uh, chiropractor's office, we did an, ex- a, a, an examination. We did... Um, an investigation to find out what's the worldview behind this practice. What are the practices? Um, who are the who are the who are the main people in this practice? What do they say? So I spent about two months or so investigating um, this practice. And what we learned about the practice is that actually at the bottom of it is is a man named Larry Dossie. Larry Dossie is famous in the world of the New Age and holistic healing. He has an entirely different cosmology and anthropology. He rejects the biblical worldview. He believes in what's called non-locality, that human minds are able are all part of the same universal mind, and we're able to leave our bodies and enter into the space of another person's body and mind. That's the bottom of KST. The practice itself has that kind of cosmology and anthropology. But there's more. Then you get into KST, the practice, uh, and it's being done by professing Christians. Uh, and the practice itself uses two main methods to get at the information in the body. One is divination, and that's dousing. And that is trying to find a yes or no answer that the body itself is telling you. They'll say that innate is telling you. Um, and the fascinating thing about this is you read the reviews of people who participate in core and specific technique. They'll say, this guy knew all about my body when I first got in. I didn't tell him anything. He knew exactly what was wrong with my body before examining me. And the person is getting the information in their mind. Um, and they're using the dowsing technique of yes or no binary response at the occiput on uh, the back of the head. And they're asking the questions to the body with the mind. Um, and you'll hear these practitioners say that after all these years, I've gotten so good at this that I don't even need sometimes to use the occiput drop. I just right. get the answers. Mm-hmm. Then there's a tool. Well, in it, in so it. For those of you that are skeptical, it's effective. Very effective. Like people, the reason yeah. why people go, went to this chiropractor and go have this process done is because it, the answers that they're getting are correct. Yes. And mm-hmm. then they use them to efficiently heal your body. They were getting helped. 
Right. Um, and the the next, there's another stage of this too, and that's uh, there was something added to it called remote reading or remote viewing. And uh, I mentioned when I did the message, it's Tools of the Occult. Just look up Tools of the Occult and Jeff Durbin online, and you should see that one. It's about two hours long. It was a long message. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not usually that long. Um, eh, that was, that was well. kind of long. Uh, but the, the movie, The Men Who Stare at Goats, was based on a true story that the U.S. military had um, started a paranormal division uh, because they discovered that they were getting some successes uh, through um, paranormal uh, mm. techniques right it's not, um, it's not always um it's not like in scary movies where it's always nefarious right like, sometimes it's very hidden and you're like oh this is a great thing the united states government was convinced after data and looking at mm-hmm. at, at, at at uh different um uh practices this stuff actually has some success to it so they created a paranormal division that used um psychometry remote reading, uh, dowsing, all these things. And for about 20 years, the United States military had a division dedicated and they had successes. They did. They had legitimate successes where they could re- do remote reading and viewing and they could see somebody who was MIA, where they were at and general idea of like where they're being kept. Uh, and they had, they had uh, done it blindly. So they were, this is real success. At any rate, Remote viewing is also added to this this KST. It's a, uh, it's where uh, I'll just give you an example. Um, one of the um, clients was told uh, the doctor that they were going to go across the country um, for a couple of months, and they needed to put their monthly payments on hold. Uh, so we're in Arizona. This person was going all the way to New England, and he said, "I need to put my payments on hold because I can't come to get my adjustments." And the doctor told him, uh, that's okay. You don't need to be present. I can read you from... No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stop. So, and, and the technique he uses is the dowsing technique and a form of remote viewing. He uses himself as the surrogate or no. somebody else as a surrogate. He does the dowsing and he can remote view what the body is saying to him from across the country. Thousands of miles. Yeah. A Christian was doing this? A professing Christian. Was, was is engaged in this practice. And here's the thing. We never want to keep it to ourselves. He's not just practicing this, um, these tools of the occult. He also teaches classes to other people on how they can also do remote viewing. And so these are common tools. They look different sometimes in, in, in different practices, uh, but they are reaching into the supernatural realm. And when I say supernatural, I don't mean like superhero kind of crazy powers i'm talking about something other than natural something right, not because that's what it actually means right something if not you material. believe in god you believe in the supernatural the immaterial right? right so the the outside of natural outside of nature so the idea is you are reaching into the supernatural to gain information and knowledge that is secret or unknown and there's a number of different ways to do it and what god is doing in his law is protecting his people from very dark spiritual forces that will do you harm. Right. So I'm sorry, I'm so I'm still so weirded out about that remote viewing right. thing. Oh, yeah. I like haven't moved past it yet. Yeah. Right. Wow, okay. Yeah, it happens. And so right. it's it's real. Um, right. for those people out there that are like skeptical and get sort of like a um Right. Like a ghost TV show vibe from the show. That's not what we're talking about. Right. Um because some cause um, well, uh, let's talk about 
like you said, of course we were such uh, finite creatures that this like hidden secret knowledge is something that is very interesting. Very attractive. Yeah, yes, it is. Um, so let's consider for a moment why would, this is something that interests me a lot. Um, what would be God's purpose in giving us secret hidden knowledge? Fill it out a bit. What do you mean? So if it, people say God gave me this vision, God oh, yeah. told me this. Yeah. Um, so if someone, so for example, let's follow, talk yeah. about it in this example. If some, if another Christian in a church said, God told me to tell you this and the information was purely, um, it's, it's of no consequence it's just saying, oh, I touched you or I looked at you and I saw this thing. Mm -hmm. um, what would be God's purpose for sending just information, inconsequential information, or even something that caused you to feel fear mm. or anxiety? Would he have a purpose for doing that? Well, generally in scripture, when you see God acting miraculously, giving visions, signs, wonders, those sorts of things, it's always for a redemptive purpose. Right. So it's never about the person. It's never about, uh, so it's not about me. So like what's interesting is you, when you watch people in performing things, these great feats or this interesting knowledge that they have and secret knowledge, uh, it ends up like highlighting the person. Right. Right. But if God, you see, God doesn't want you to know that like your dead family members said hi to you. Right. Would you agree? <laughs> Completely That's, unnecessary. There's no, right. there's nothing. Right. And, and here's the thing. They don't care either. Right. Right. So if you have a dead family member that, or someone that's with the Lord, um, they're, they're, they're good. Like, right. They're, not, they're, they're fine. Not, they're not like, I really got to go talk to them. They're, they're right. good. They're, right. they're, they have their mind is, is at peace. They're good. Uh, so th that wouldn't be even, I think, something they're concerned with. Um but so if you have something in the scriptures, you do see there's a redemptive purpose attached to all these miracles and signs and visions and wonders. It's all redemptive in purpose. It always adds back. It always goes back to the glory of God. So that's the first thing um, in terms of when these things happen in scripture. What you see the end is, is something that glorifies God and has some redemptive value and purpose to it. So knowledge in and of itself doesn't indicate this right. person has a gift from God to no. see. And, and I would say if a person said to me, hey, I have a word from God for you, <laughs> I would be like, you realize, of course, that when you tell me that, if it's truly a word from God, then that means that I have to see it as theonustos, as breathed out by right. God. And right. are you saying this is part of the canon now? Right. That's what I would say. Now, if they said, no, 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 it's not quite like that, I would say, well, is it consistent with God's word, what you're saying? Yes, then he doesn't need to tell me through right. you right Give, it's, it's in the scripture it's already. in the scriptures right That's the mm -hmm. first thing i would say i would, I would be really mm -hmm. concerned with someone saying something like that mm -hmm. to me i'm so, a magnet for that by the way are you really when i lived in the south when i lived in georgia i kid you not i would just be out and about i would be just i'd go be going to the grocery store i'd be walking out of the grocery store someone would stop me god told me to tell you something it happened let's see i lived there for almost three years happened at least 15 times and on the West Coast, this is what's interesting, the interesting connection. Uh, when I worked in customer service, it happened to me all the time, except it was never uh, from God. It was someone reading my aura 
Right. And they would want to tell me something that was coming from some ambiguous kind of like universal place. So it's just interesting out here on the West Coast when people had a word for me. Right. It was like the universe. I, I want to, I need to tell you something. Right. And then in Georgia, when I got stopped, God told me to tell you. And right. I, I don't know what it is about my face. Like, like people that are, my <laughs> friends will attest to this. Like people will stop me and do this to me. And I don't know what it is because I don't think I look that friendly, <laughs> but like it just like happens and it's right. very strange. Awesome. It's weird. But yeah, well, and just let, for those of you listening, just let that parallelism sink, sink in, in. <laughs> yes. because when you're saying I have a word for you from God, there are many groups of people that would say that also, right. but just not from God. Right. They do it by other means. So just because you've been you've been revealed something or you think that you've been revealed something, it mm-hmm. does not mean that it's you have from the, God. Yeah. You're yeah. you're um I would I would venture to say that if you think that your church is impressing that upon you, um just as someone who was in the new age, their church, air quotes again, right, um, is is also telling them that. That's right. so they're suggesting that that's what it is. And I, I do want to add that I think it's very dangerous for us us to get in the presence of God and say that there's something He can't do. Like to step right. into the presence of an all powerful God and say there's something that He cannot do is a dangerous it's a dangerous thing. Um. So it's it is it possible for God to still speak today? Well, because God is all powerful, God can do anything He wants. Right? Is it normative or to be expected? No, right? Because we know about the canon of Scripture, what God has done speaking through His Son. We can have a whole show on that discussion itself. Right. But is it possible for God to still? Does He still act? Does He still move? Does He still influence His people? Does He still empower His people? Of course. Uh, there's so many amazing stories uh, where God still acts in powerful ways. Mm-hmm. Um, where I, I can tell you stories of pastors I know that were on mission. Uh, Muslim militants are coming to kill them, literally to kill them. They escape and they're driving down the road to go back to their village. And they didn't know them. these militants had set up down that one road they were going down. And the pastor they were with, when they were coming to a split in the road, said, stop. And they stopped. And they were supposed to go to the right. But the pastor didn't know why. He just said, I don't know what's going on right now, guys, but we're supposed to go left. And they weren't supposed to go left. They're supposed to go right. And they ended up going left. And they stayed another a night in another village with some other Christians. And they found out the next day that those militants had set up an ambush on, the, on that road. Right. So there's like there's God does this. Luke, Luke and Cheryl were fi- were trying for years to have a child. They went through all these different fertility things and nothing yeah. was working. They were really struggling. It was actually a point of like deep pain uh, for them and for us too because we were in it with them, like praying for them. And all of a sudden, one day we planted Apologia Church or we were near the planting Apologia Church. I started getting these. I like woke up in the morning overwhelmed with a sense of, and it couldn't even get out of my head. I couldn't shake it loose. Pray, pray, like I need to pray for Cheryl's baby and I need to pray for Cheryl's baby. And then all of a sudden she comes to my house one day, we're just all hanging out and she walks past me and I just felt like I have, I have to pray for her and put hands on her and pray for her baby. So I put my hand on Cheryl. She doesn't know why I'm touching her <laughs> and I didn't tell her. I just put my hand on her and I started praying for her and I'm praying for her baby and Cheryl has no idea why. 
And so next thing you know, two weeks later, we found out she had a baby. Mm-hmm. Like there's some supernatural stuff <laughs> right. and some pretty amazing things right. that God does. But is it normative to expect some right. answer from the other side and some right. word from God? It's not normative. No. Well, and to go looking for it. Yeah, to, and that's the dangerous There's thing. no, yeah, you have to be careful because there's definitely no, um, nowhere does God say, seek me in this other than in prayer and his word. Like right. he gives you the prescription to seeking him. Right. So any, and then he tells you, please don't try and seek me through these, <laughs> these things. other means. Please right. don't try and seek anything through any of these other means. Right. So the point would be to be careful, be careful not to quickly assume that you're doing something. Uh, right. That's influenced by demons. Cause right. a lot of times it's just going to be you. <laughs> yeah. And then be careful with what you you know, are consorting with. Right. And right. I just one last word in case anybody gets oh, overly give sensitive a word for and us? freaks out. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's possible having these discussions for people to be very, very sensitive right. uh, to the su- subject and they start actually walking in fear over it. Well, it's important to remember that the Bible does teach that you belong to God. So you're not going to be indwelt by anything uh, of the nature of Satan and the demonic cannot happen no matter what Bob Larson says. Um, and so that's important. But it, I think like when you move forward and you start to get like you're at home at night and you're scared, like just know that that's, that's, it's you. Like, you know, you're right. allowed to put that down right. and not walk in fear and anxiety over it. Cause Jesus doesn't want you to be scared. We've been given authority over the demons. Um, right. And so you don't have it. You have authority over them. They're terrified of you. Right. That's the next thing. Right. The final thing I would say is the Bible teaches greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Right. And so you have God himself, who is your father, who cares for you, who has bought you with a price. He's not letting you go to the demonic. Uh, and so that's what you need to make sure you, you keep that at the front at all times, knowing the position of demons your position before God, the power and authority that you have, and the God that you worship and serve who loves you and protects you. You've been taken out of that realm of darkness. Um, it's still present and around us, but not able to to ultimately possess you. Right. Well, right. and that's why I mentioned um, pop culture being a very big, big influencer. Right. In it's a huge influence yeah. on our fear yes. in general and also how we view the supernatural. Right. But just know that I've never seen a movie <laughs> that accurately right. portrayed right. Uh, demons, even if they were based off of a true story. Right. They still amp it up. They add elements. Right. So you don't need to be afraid that you are going to be, you know, next in the list of a movie made <laughs> based off of your story. <laughs> right. Um, right. And, and just know that you're the, if you can't, if you don't, if you're, uh, fearful after you watch a scary movie maybe don't that could be the best it doesn't right. mean <laughs> it doesn't mean um exercise your house right. it means just don't watch scary movies right. it's more likely to be you and there's nothing wrong with being afraid of a creepy thing you saw but just know that it's a huge influence and on how we view it now that you bring this up i think it'd be good to i know probably probably going over time here but i i do think it's important when people think about things like exorcisms, do exorcisms still take place today? Are the people still demonically or possessed by demons and, and exorcism is necessary? Uh, the answer is yes, but it's not common. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's not common is because Christ is ruling and reigning now and his kingdom broke into history. Why do you see so much in the first century? Why? Because of the nature 
of the time. Jesus was entering into the world with his kingdom, bringing his kingdom. He came first to bind the strong man and to plunder his, you know, as you get the Mm -hmm. point, he's come to destroy the works of the devil. That's why you see this heightened spiritual activity happening in the first century because they they knew what time it was. Right. Um, And so I think that that's a good example as to why you see that fervor in the New Testament that you won't see commonly today, especially as the kingdom of God advances in the world, you will see less and less and less activity that's to that extreme. Right. Um, but I will say, if somebody is truly possessed, I this whole portrait that's painted in the movies and like the movie The Exorcist and all these different things right. where you have like these days and weeks long exorcism, I'm convinced that if it's truly demonic possession and you have a person who's filled with the Spirit of God and walking with God, casting that demon out of the person, it's instantaneous. Right. I right. mean, it's in a moment. Right. What do you see in our New Testament? You see that. Right. You don't see Christians fighting for days to get a demon out of somebody, or Jesus for that matter. Right. You see a word is spoken and there's authority there. So if you ever do run across something like that, and it's legitimate, it has all the marks, it's legit, I think that it's it's a process that's much quicker because we have authority. Right. Right. So, right. Right. The the movies do not portray it accurately. Right. And you will see and the reason I mention the influence of your culture is because all over the world this happens. Of course they're not being influenced by the movie The Exorcist, mm-hmm. but by their own different culture. That's why so many people have so many different views on demons and blah right. blah and it's because right. There's a lot it's one and death, the afterlife, things that exist outside of this physical world are sort of something that people, even even a, a someone who's not a Christian, someone that would say that they don't believe in things that are immaterial, it is, it's this unknown. And so we mm-hmm. have this weird... So it's fascinating. Yeah, we have mm-hmm. this weird fascination and obsession mm-hmm. Absolutely. for it. Yeah. So... Well, it's like that old, that old saying, uh, the d- greatest trick the devil played on humanity was convincing them he didn't exist. Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, so for so unbelievers right. who reject God, reject the spiritual, who say the immaterial isn't there, I think are uh, more likely to be right. impacted by these sorts right. of things. Right. Well, and yeah, I mean, that being said, too, I would suggest to because um, I sort of almost fall into the camp of people that spent my youth in charismatic churches and that was um, they applauded the supernatural where it didn't exist to where now I fall into, I, like I said, almost fall into this camp where I am, um, I'm likely to shy away from sup- uh, certain supernatural topics just because they feel silly to me. Right. But if you believe in God, you believe in the immaterial. So right. um, if you are also one of those people, right. you should look more into something like this. Like Jeff said, uh, be careful. Be uh, the kingdom of the occult. Would you say is a great by uh, Walter so, Martin? Yeah, definitely books would be, if you wanted to really do a good study on this, The Kingdom of the Occult by Dr. Walter Martin. Um, he did Kingdom of the Cults. Excellent. If you don't have it in your library, you need it. Your, your dad has like four copies. Um, I know. That's why I'm so familiar with this yeah. book. I can see it's like a part of my childhood. Like yes. there's the purple one yep. and there's the, yeah. So The Kingdom of the Occult um, was, Dr. Martin spent a lot of time, he got into it because um, he said that he had so many witches and warlocks and people in the occult praying 
for him to get cancer and sickness oh. and, and, and showing up to the events he would speak at mm. that he decided he needed to investigate this and understand them. So that's where Kingdom of the Occult came from. It's, it's an excellent work. Uh, it's very, right. very helpful. The next one would be the Encyclopedia of New Age Beliefs and Practices by John a Ankerberg and I think mm. Weldon. Uh, don't agree with Ankerberg on a lot of things, but that's an excellent resource that gives you up-to-date stuff on, on things that are happening today in the New Age. Uh, so those are good resources. Right. And I'm not suggesting that you um, read those things to satisfy your weird fascination like ghost <laughs> right um but l basically my that recommendation is made to people that want to know what it actually looks like mm -hmm. um yeah for real yes like a good very basic right examination right. of it and and finally of course everyone expects you to say this but it's absolutely true if you know somebody that's impacted by this stuff the only way out the only freedom is through Christ and being right. being forgiven and redeemed. Uh, if somebody's involved in these practices, they need to be saved, forgiven. That's the only way out. Um, other, I don't believe there is any other way out um, besides, except for through Christ. So you, there's no tips to, you just need to stop this pra these practices and just right. avoid them. You need to come to Jesus. Right. Um, otherwise, you're open to demonic activity and possession. Right, right. I think it's only fitting that our longest episode ever would be the episode. Right. Of, uh, <laughs> well, that's why I was like, it's going a little bit long, but um, no one ever complains. I don't think anyone no minds, and it's gonna say and you, Jeff Durbin in the little blurb. So. Oh yeah, they'll know. They'll, they'll know. know. This is gonna be a long one. I still want you to ask him the question. Do we also want to do? Do we have? Are we doing feminist of the week too? No, no, no. <laughs> I have had so much water, you guys. <laughs> oh, you need to. Okay. All right. Um, so, but I would do. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing right. his answer to your question. This is a question that I ask a lot of people, and you've already heard it here on this show because I asked a Summer. long time ago. Yeah, but I've never asked Jeff this, and I've known Jeff for a long time, so it's only fitting that we. Um, get like, I'm the actually genuinely final, curious. Yeah. I think I know what he's going to say. Almost ten years. Right. We've known each other. I know. It's been a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay. <laughs> if you were a bird, where would you live? <laughs> Hawaii. Okay. Oh, Kauai. Okay. Oh, Kauai. Oh, yeah. Specific Kauai. Specifically. Kauai. No, no question. Right. right. Absolutely. Because it's the most beautiful place in the world. Right. It's heavily, but we're, this stuff we're talking about today, mm -hmm. it is all over Kauai. Right. And that place is just filled with the cults and the new age and a lot of demonic activity in wow. Kauai for sure. Wow. Um, but Kauai is the most beautiful place on earth. And so I don't have any question about that. Well, so I'm going to tell you guys why I asked this question. I'm going to use Jeff as an example. I know this is a long show, but this is going to explain to you guys why. Mm -hmm. So this is sort of a psychological question for me, and it tells me something about people. Oh. Now, I'm going to tell you, Jeff, that most men have answered this question by initially saying, well, what kind of bird am I? Okay just because they like need the facts, they need this thing. Um, I'm not saying you have a female brain. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, you you girl. think you're like a lady. But essentially, the, the question is, if you had ultimate freedom, yes. where would you go? And so you told me that you would go somewhere beautiful um, and you would go somewhere that you want to go for a purpose. Right. Do you remember my so answer? So there you go. Um, you said, I hate birds. <laughs> I hate birds. 
I do. I just don't care. <laughs> you for don't that. like birds. I don't like birds. Which tells me that you're an incredibly literal person. You didn't. You didn't translate the question as if you had ultimate freedom, where you would you go? You were like, I hate birds, and I don't want to be one. And I'm not like, please getting into this bird. weird figurative stuff with you. <laughs> this is that's literal. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. I don't if you want ask people to be a the bird. Qu- yeah, so <laughs> it's a, it's a very very weird question to ask someone. But a lot of so, insight comes from it. So sometimes I, I just want to try new things. Like I want to have a spider monkey one day. Just I want. I just want to try that. I want that experience. Now I'm imagining a bird with like a spider yeah. monkey sitting yeah, on his right? shoulder. All I'm like, thinking about is poor Candy. I know, having right? to deal with the spider monkey. No, but monkey. in Arizona they've made spider monkeys illegal, which is oh, good. Typical of the government. Good right? for Candy. To control the kind <laughs> of government taking away everything I, I want. Um, but. So there was a period, there was like a year ago, I was like watching some videos with some parrots and I was like, oh, they're amazing. Mm -hmm. So I want a parrot. So I went to the local parrot dealer and uh, you go to the local parrot dealer. We have one. It's only two miles away. Since you said dealer, (laughs) I'm imagining a guy in a trench coat. (laughs) 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 I got the blue stuff right here. Um, So I go to the local parrot dealer and you go into a big room with parrots. Just they're out and about like on their little perches and everything. And I was like, this is so awesome. And they're like expensive. They're like Uh $3,000. And so I'm like looking, like, do you have like a hundred dollar parrot? Like, I'm, like <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a pastor. Do you have a hundred dollar one? It's, it's the albino anyway. parrot. So I'm so excited, and you get to feed them food and everything. And they're like, oh, pick one. Which one would you like to buy? And I'm like, oh, these are awesome. And so I lost my desire to get a parrot in about 30 seconds flat. When I went to give this parrot, who was taking food from everybody else, I went to give him like a piece of popcorn or whatever, and it bit my finger like it did not want to return it. I mean, it was on me. I had this massive bird that's about as big of half my yeah, size. They're big. And it's got my finger and it won't what let go. What are you go. talking about half your size? Am I kidding? If you Parrots put, if you get put big. it if you put the whole th- it's it's like from head to tail. Right. It's about it's like it's cuz their tails are super long. See, and that's the thing is most people, they don't have regular interactions with parrots in no, real life. I saw a parrot the other day at the aquarium because for some reason they have birds at the well, aquarium. Well, even, even if you do see them, generally you're further away. There's not as much perspective. But when you have a parrot that's just sitting right in front of you. Full on tail to head. Right. It's, it's as long as And if they open their body. wings too, yeah. oh. I mean. It, but it wouldn't you let both, go. Both of you are two of the most truthful people in my <laughs> life. But I really feel like this is dramatic. I'm, go, uh, we'll, t- we'll go to the parrot we'll dealer. Go, we'll go. The parrot dealer. <laughs> so my, my dilemma at the moment when this thing is biting my finger and not letting it go was, okay, what are my options here? I can't shake it off. I don't want to make it more mad. So do I punch it in the face? Is it endangered if I punch it in the face while I do go I to jail? The, do I punch it in the mouth? Did did you? No, it finally, after like me freaking out, it let go, but it then it like taunted me. Like it like with his wings and like poked his head out. I was like, this, I don't want he a parrot. He wants to fight me. I don't want a parrot. <laughs> and he was like, please don't get a parrot. Please don't get a parrot. And I was like, I don't want one. She's like, oh, praise God. Yeah. Like, yeah. So. As soon as you said I went to a parrot dealer, I knew I could hear Candy in my head, like what she was saying. Yeah. Like, I could yeah. hear I could hear her eye roll <laughs> is what happened. So I'm yeah. really I'm sorry to tell you I'm happy that the see, parrot she, but bit see you. the thing though is that she is she she's so loving to me that she lets me entertain it. Right. Until I discover like a child that <laughs> it, it hurts. 
<laughs> and so she's like, okay. She's good. like, now all we're... right, go check out the monkey dealer. Go check out the parrot dealer. We're over it. We're over it. I love you guys. <laughs> all right. Well, I don't even know how long this episode is, but I love, I love that it was with you, Jeff. Right on. I right. love that whatever record we just hit for like longest episode, it was with you. Yeah, right? It only yeah. makes sense. <laughs> it only makes sense. Right. That's right. Of course. So, well, in this topic, we probably could have. This is a pretty forever. general yeah. like yeah. topic. Yeah. We probably could have done a few different episodes yeah. on more specific things. It was like, but. yeah, if you pick one thing, you can probably limit the time. But this is like hitting. This is like the fire hose. Right. If you right. say, tell us about the occult. It's like, well, well. That's, that's big. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. You heard it here. Uh, Jeff believes in the occult. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for condescending to join us today. And yeah. next time we have you on, it will also be a weird, strange thing people don't know you're into. And you can tell us right. more about bird punching. <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be great. <laughs> All right, guys. We will see you next week. I see almost ya. punched a parrot. <laughs>